Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Houston fans. Welcome in Minnesota fans. This is Thursday for Locked On Podcast Network, and you know what that means. It is crossover Thursdays. Used to be Wednesdays last year, but nonetheless, I am John, some sports guy Hickman, followed along with Locked On Texas, other host Cody Davis. We're joined by Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and you know, both 0 3 teams. Now we're here. Luke, what's going on? Uh, it's pretty rough. <laughs> It's, it's rough for both of us, man. It's uh, it's I, I don't know. I, I just I look at the teams the Texans have played and they are just so terrifying. You go up against Chiefs, Ravens and Steelers and the only loss among that whole group is within the group. It's the Ravens losing to the Chiefs. So I, I, it's it's hard for me to buy that the Texans are truly as bad as the the Owen three that the Vikings have where they just came out and looked completely incapable of, of producing reasonable football in the first two games. And even when they kind of pulled it a little bit together in week three, they still came up short. So I don't, this is not going to be a, an optimistic group of group of pals here. <laughs> well, it is starting off for both teams, but one way we can make the entire NFL season better for everybody is to support your local business. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or your favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them, how they've been there for us. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. Cody, I know you want to go ahead and dive right into it. Talk to Luke about the 0-3 Vikings. Let's just go ahead and get things started off for the listeners out there. Yes, sir. You know, Luke, I know you mentioned from the outside looking in, you see the Houston Texans and you think to yourself, this is not an 0-3 team. But surprisingly, I'm going to disagree. I do believe what we've seen through the first three weeks of the regular season. I will say this is a true 0-3 team. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because they don't even know what type of team they are. They don't know if they want to be undefeated. They don't know if they want to be defeated. This is a team full of a lot of conflict. It's frustrating. I understand you're frustrated in Minnesota. We here are also frustrated in Houston. But at the end of the day, I guess we still a little bit better because we have Deshaun Watson. But you guys in Minnesota, you guys lost Stefan Diggs this past offseason. And just like here in Houston, we understand the the the, the first of couple a weeks <laughs> of losing your number one receiver, a top tier receiver. We understand that pain as well. And Luke, I got to ask you, man, how has life been without Diggs? And going into Sunday's game against the Houston Texans, who do the Texans have to worry about stepping onto that field and giving the Texans a lot of just problems? Because our secondary does not look that good. And I'm pretty sure you you was probably amongst the other people on the Locked On Network laughing at the debacle foolishness that happened between Texans and Earl Thomas this week. Uh, who do you see on the Minnesota Vikings will be able to give the Texans problem when you talk about your receiving core? Yeah, so Thielen is the big guy, right? And he can play outside or slot. And the Vikings typically do that, you know, uh, based on what they think, where they think the be- the better matchup is. And maybe we can talk about that a little later. Um, but Thielen is, is really the guy. And when it was Diggs and Thielen, those are two super similar receivers. I honestly treated them when I was like trying to construct like game previews and stuff. I would treat them like 
interchangeably and they were basically all both able to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose digs and now it goes and thrives in Buffalo and he's like absolutely tearing it up, which destroys my heart. But there's, uh, they did get a first round pick back for that. And with that first round pick, they took Justin Jefferson and Jefferson was off to a bit of a slow start this year. And, you know, rookie, no off season. It's kind of to be expected last week. He totally breaks out for a touchdown, 175 yards, this huge game. He uh, gets some big plays from the outside, big plays from the slot against man coverage against zone coverage. And so you saw that same versatility. So I would say you definitely have to make sure you have Adam Thielen bracketed, but don't leave Justin Jefferson alone in the slot or alone on the other side of the formation. Those are definitely the two guys. The the Vikings also want to get their tight ends more involved with Kyle Rudolph, who's more of a red zone guy at this point in his career. And of course, Irv Smith, who's pretty fast for a tight end. Um, but they, uh, they, they haven't really had the same like breakout uh, production that we've seen from Thielen and, and Jefferson. They also have Ola B.C. Johnson and Tajay Sharp and these like kind of role players who uh, probably aren't worth warping your game plan around. I would really plan for Thielen and kind of everybody else secondarily. Mike Zimmer is pissed right now. All oh, right, yeah. so much so that a reporter tried to uh, ask him a question. He was just like, can you just go into the question? He and does like, that to that reporter every single time. That's like been a thing for years. <laughs> but he's, but he's, but he is pissed right now. Understandably. So you just, you know, you, you invested a lot of money in the Kirk Cousins and he hasn't really looked that good uh, throughout the first three weeks of the season, which is, you know, a big result of a big reason why the team is 0-3 moving forward. What changes can Mike Zimmer make as a coach in order to improve his team? Because I think both coaches right now have to make – you can't leave. The only thing that can happen to both teams going into Sunday is ending end of the game in a tie. But what coaches – That is the way God intended this game to end, for sure. I hope so. I really do <laughs> hope so. Like, if this game ends in a tie, then you know what? I think we can both just say who's going to tank for Trevor Lawrence. But <laughs> Exactly. Um, who, who gets to try to outsuck the Jets? Um, who? Who? <laughs> But what what changes can he make uh, as a head coach in order to improve his team? Yeah, it's tough because he just doesn't have the horses right now. There's only like four good players on the defense. You know, you've got and and the fifth one is hurt. You have Daniel Hunter, who is available to come off of IR. Doesn't sound like he's going to. Uh, you have Unique Ngakwe. Of course, you guys are pretty familiar with him. He's playing as advertised. I would say the two safeties are good. You have Eric Hendricks. Beyond that, you have a bunch of untested corners. Uh, the depth linebackers, you know, Anthony Barr is hurt and the depth linebackers are like Ryan Connolly and, other, and, you know, Todd Davis might be able to play from the Broncos, but these are guys that their original teams cast off and a lot of times with good reason. So right now you just don't have the horses to do what Mike Zimmer typically wants to do, which is a very complex scheme that requires a lot of ability. It requires the corners to kind of hold up on an island. These corners can't do that. So what he's had to change with the scheme is uh, essentially a lot more safety help over the top or safety helping by way of like blitzing. Um, I believe Mike Zimmer has been doing a lot of blitzing. He probably should continue to do that. Um, maybe not against like a Deshaun Watson, like an escapable quarterback like that. Cause he could probably, uh, you know, if he can escape that blitz, then he can tear you up from it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the change that I think would need to be made is probably in the corner technique and maybe working in a little bit more press working in a little bit more bracketing with the safeties over the top so that the corners can, 
play aggressively and have fewer decisions to make. Right now they have rookies playing and rookies who didn't have an offseason, like starting like Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler and two predictable results. So you kind of have to put them in a situation where they have less reading to do and less deciding to do, and they can just go be a dog and make plays. So that I think that's probably the best adjustment that they can make. Um, but I mean, right now it's hard to have high expectations for a defense that is just not constructed of very many good players. So going back to Justin Jefferson real quick, when you look around the league, when you look at this rookie class, LSU is playing phenomenal. You got Joe Burrow doing his thing in Cincinnati. You got Clyde Edwards-Alaire doing his thing in Kansas City. Trust me, we know about Clyde Edwards-Alaire after the fantastic (laughs) debut he had against the Texans. And then, you know, you look at Justin Jefferson, who through the first two games of the regular season, it looks like he was just getting his feet, feet wet. But as you mentioned, this guy exploded onto the field in the loss against the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, just from what you've seen throughout the first three weeks of the regular season, how do you feel about Jefferson? And do you believe that he's going to be able to take the mantle as the Vikings' top number one receiver possibly not this year, but more so next year and the years beyond. Yeah, I think he's for real. Uh, call me a homer on that if you want. But I, I think I, I was big on him before the draft, too. I really wanted the Vikings to take him, and they did, and I was happy. And it looks like that's bearing out. He was a little quieter for the first two weeks, but he was, like, on the field, and he got, like, two or three catches. Um, a lot of it happened in garbage time, so it's really easy to dismiss. And the offense as a whole was just this gigantic mess in the first two weeks that couldn't get a snap off without some disastrous sack or interception or something. And so there just weren't many opportunities to go around, let alone to a rookie that, again, didn't have an offseason was probably going to take a little bit longer just to get play ready this year, transition through the NFL. I'm sure everybody's dealing with that with their rookies. Um, And so his breakout in week three is really, really encouraging because it isn't something like the breakout of somebody like I I compared it in a a piece this week to Cordero Patterson, another former first round receiver from the Vikings who had this crazy breakout game, but it was all like kickoff returns and gadget plays. And, you know, everybody got really excited about him, but it was very clear that like, eventually he was going to need to be able to play traditional wide receiver to like really take hold in the league. And he could never do that. Now he's a backup running back for a division rival. So I, that scenario doesn't look as likely for Justin Jefferson because the way that he's winning is uh, a, it's more traditional, right? It's just line up against a guy and beat him for a, for a big play. It is super variable and it looks, I mean, you can't say, Oh, he's only winning in the slot because he isn't only winning in the slot. He, got some really big explosive plays in outside coverage against Malcolm Butler, just beating the guy at the catch point. Like he's supposed to, you know, he has times where he got a ton of separation times where he didn't get separation, but won the catch anyways, beating man, beating zone. And all of that means that there isn't like a gimmick or a reason that this production is some kind of mirage, but I think he's just, is for real. And the, like you couldn't construct a breakout game that signaled harder that the production was going to continue from Justin Jefferson. Obviously we can only ever know so much, so I could look like a huge idiot in four weeks if he doesn't do anything. But yeah, right now I absolutely believe. Staying on the offensive side of the ball, when preparing for the Vikings, you have to talk about one of the top tier running backs in Dalvin Cooks. And stopping the run for the Houston Texans has possibly been their biggest defensive weakness so far this season. What makes Cooks such an explosive tailback? And do you see anything within his game or the Vikings offensive line that makes you say the Texans have some type of possibility to slow down Cooks heading into Sunday's game? Yeah, I always kind of thought that uh, schemes like what 
O'Brien has you guys running over there, like the three, four with kind of faster linebackers that Cunningham's and stuff was always going to be a little better against his own scheme, just because they have the speed to keep up with it. Um, like you saw a play last week with uh, a linebacker trying to chase down Dalvin cook to the edge and Dalvin cook gets the edge and just with just blistering speed and, and turns it into this like 30 yard run. Um, and, and I think that the Texans, correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem to have enough speed to not be quite as susceptible to that. Um, but yeah, the, the running game has been decently efficient. It was unbelievably efficient against the Titans. And I think if there were, uh, if the, if the Vikings were able to, you know, get the defense off the field, they would have been able to protect that lead a lot better with that running game. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to slow down Dalvin Cook, you need to have the right speed. You need to be very, very gap sound. Um, and, you know, have your guys be in the right spot. If there's anybody inexperienced, rookies, uh, you know, guys that just make a lot of mental errors, that's the kind of thing that Dalvin Cook punishes. And you have to be a sure tackler. And that not only means like tackling fundamentals, like wrapping up, attacking the opposite hip, the stuff you're supposed to do, but it also means setting yourself up with good tackling opportunities. Because what Dalvin Cook does, I mean, he's not the most agile. His tested athleticism at the, at the combine wasn't that good. He's not this crazy speed demon. He's, he's not, um, you know, Saquon Barkley. He wins in a very uh, technique and like spatial awareness oriented way where he'll set you up where you'll have an opportunity to tackle him, but it'll never be a good opportunity to tackle him where he'll set you up and he'll, you know, kind of improve his lineman's blocks just by taking a few steps to the inside or the outside or whatever he needs. Um, and to get a, a tackle opportunity, you usually have to take a really poor angle or you have to like beat a block so bad that there's just nothing he can do about it. And so I think that has to be the thing. You, know, you get somebody like a Zach Cunningham or a JJ Watt or whatever on the inside against the Vikings have very, very weak interior offensive linemen right now. And if you can like de deny those reach blocks or just, just beat them with a, with a, a good pass rushing move, um, you can start to slow down Dalvin Cook that way. But honestly, the thing that has slowed down Dalvin Cook the most is game situation. The Vikings have been trailing a whole bunch, and if they're chasing the game, they can't run it to Dalvin Cook. So, you know, beat Dalvin Cook on offense by scoring enough touchdowns where the Vikings have to chase the game. Speaking of scoring enough touchdowns, our running game here in Houston has not looked that great ever since the debut in Kansas City. But let me just ask you this really quick before moving on to the Texans side of things. What's your take on the Vikings secondary? Throughout the first couple of games of the regular season, it has not looked that good. And we are a team trying to establish some kind of chemistry between Deshaun Watson and his new receiving core. Yeah, oh, it's rough. It, it is uh a lot of really inexperienced players playing right now. Holton Hill is starting for the first time. He's been in the league for three years, never been a, never been a starter, and he's been exploited. I mean, he just got put in a blender by Devontae Adams. He's kind of improved since that week one debacle. He hasn't been the worst corner on the team, but that's not a high bar to clear. Uh, they've had Jeff Gladney. He's a first-round rookie. He's clearly not ready to play. There's all kinds of mental errors. He doesn't have the terminology down yet. He doesn't have his assignments down yet, and that's, he just has to study more and probably could have used a, a more traditional offseason to get ready to play. I'm not as concerned about him long-term, but for week four, that's absolutely somebody to exploit. Uh, Mike Hughes is dealing with a neck injury. Um, the Vikings, because uh, they had to shut down their facility because of the COVID outbreak from the Titans, um, they only did a limited injury report. So that's all we've seen as of this recording. But in that limited, limited injury report, uh, or that estimated injury report, uh, Mike Hughes, they estimated, would not have practiced with a neck injury. And he had a neck injury last year, so it could be a little more serious. 
um, and you also have Cameron Dantzler, who's been dealing with a rib injury. He had an unbelievable camp, and he then he went up against the Packers and got totally dusted by Devontae Adams, too. Um, and in that game, he hurt his rib, and he hasn't been back since. So we might get uh, the rookie that had the better camp, which is Dantzler, to come back. But uh, it's rough at the cornerback spots. But the safeties are as elite as advertised. Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris are able to pick up a lot of that slack so you can, you know, field an NFL-quality defense sometimes. Um, but if you can throw away from the safeties, and this is how Aaron Rodgers beat the Vikings up for, you know, hung 43 on them. If you can, uh, if you can throw away from the safeties and force these corners into one-on-one situations, I mean, they couldn't cover Alan Lazard and Zach Pascal. You, you do not need a, a Devonte Adams or a Michael Thomas to take advantage of these corners. You don't need DeAndre Hopkins for this one, although I'm sure that would help. But hey, enough of me insulting my team. It's time for you guys to insult your team. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the Texans, and I want you guys to teach me everything there is to know about the Vikings week for opponents. So stick around. All of that being said, and Thursday night football around the corner this season, like I told you guys earlier, get your football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. So none of that other flack that you don't care for. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all of the action, all of the football you can handle in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You can also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from players' perspective as they break down game concepts and techniques. Learn from your Houston Texans star Deshaun Watson, or you can learn from Stephen Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archives. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. With every increasing number of makes like Fiat, Kia, and models like Pacifica and XT5, it is now impossible to stock all of your parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidated questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? Come on, guys, we can do better than that. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, the Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 through 2010 Honda Odyssey cost $353. 99 at advance a big chain store but it only costs 216.79 at rockauto.com chain stores have a different price tiering for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers rockauto.com prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices available rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how do you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com 
All right, coming back in here, Crossover Thursday, I'm Luke Braun with Locked On Vikings. I'm here with Cody Davis and John Hickman at Locked On Texans. So I want to know about the Texans uh, and specifically with how they match up against these Vikings here. For example, uh, you know, like we've been talking about, these corners are really, really struggling. Holton Hill, just not good enough. Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, a rookie. Uh, You know, Mike Hughes, they might have to start Chris Boyd just because they don't have enough guys in the slot um, who is, you know, he's from Texas. Maybe you guys know him. Uh, So the, the, the group is susceptible, but the Texans receivers lost a big, big piece in the off season with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. So I guess my question is just how are these wide receivers coming along? Cause the corners are, are really vulnerable to a good group. And does Houston have the horses to kind of take advantage of that? Who would be the guy that I have to go worry is going to, uh, you know, put Holton Hill in a blender for a 65 yard touchdown. Well, I think this is a prime will full of game. And I think when we look at the the Vikings uh, as a whole, you guys have only gotten six sacks. Now, we've had games where Deshaun Watson has been sacked three times or four times. And so when I look at the pressure or lack thereof, the Minnesota Vikings will or will not, will not bring, I think this is a prime game for Deshaun Watson to be able to read defenses and get the ball out quickly. So this is a game for Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks to feast on your secondary isn't good. Let's just call it what it is. My Absolutely boy, not. <laughs> it's just that they're bad. They, they, they are not good with only, uh, you know, you guys have Yannick, who was playing for the Jaguars. He has those two sacks. Hill has one sack. Everybody else is just not really, you know, getting it done. So with Deshaun going up against you guys and having the opportunity to sit back and go through reads and pick this defense apart, hopefully, of course, getting that ball out quicker, uh, getting these talented and fast receivers in space, I think this is a, this is a prime Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks matchup game that they can dominate, hopefully, from quarter one all the way to the end of quarter four. But, you know, we've seen where we started off high, but we ended off just too damn cold. Yeah, that makes sense. The The pressure has not been there the way that we've kind of grown used to and not having Daniel Hunter hurts and also going up against uh, teams like the Packers and Colts that have these really, really quick strike offenses um, that just get rid of the ball so fast that the pressure couldn't really get home. And, uh, you know, Ngakwe is still trying to learn the terminology. And I think he's kind of come around now, but it definitely got him off to a slow start. Um, but l- let's talk about speaking of pressure. So uh, the other thing that sucks on the Vikings is the guards. The Vikings have terrible guards. Drew Samia, clearly not ready to play. They have uh, Pat Elfline, the starter, is on IR, and he, even he wasn't very good. Um, Drew Samia just is not of NFL quality. If you watched his tape against Jeffrey Simmons from uh, week three, that, that should be rated M for mature. It is gore. Um, the other side, they have Dakota Dozier, who's been in the league for seven years. This is his first year as a starter, uh, and it's not because he got better suddenly in his seventh year. So it's a really, really rough spot and I know the the Texans have a lot going on on the defensive line beyond just J.J. Watt so I guess if you are Bill O'Brien you know if you are the defensive staff of the Texans how would you game plan to take advantage of a really weak interior but better tackles Riley Reef is having a a pretty good year Brian O'Neill's playing totally acceptable football um, but the interior has been really poor so I guess what would the what, what should I expect the Texans to do to take advantage of that kind of situation well, before answering your question, let me just say our interior is just as bad, <laughs> you know. Our Birds tackles are pretty good, <laughs> but our interior on the offensive line is just as bad. In fact, I should have asked you that same question. 
But, you know, the answer to your question, if there was one player I could choose outside of J.J. Watt, who I must add, he has looked really good through the first couple of games of the season, and he is still two sacks away from becoming, I believe, the 36th player in NFL history to record 100 sacks. So I'm pretty sure he's going to try his hardest to get that this Sunday. But with all that being said, if there was one player I had to choose, I will possibly have to go with Charles Amenehu. And that's if he plays on Sunday because on yesterday he did not practice due to a knee injury. But if he does play, this is a guy you guys need to look out for. And I wasn't a big believer in him. John was. I, I have to admit, John was. It's only because he went to UT and John has this love for UT and I don't UT baby. But <laughs> anyways, at the end of the day, prior to the start of the season, a man who told us that it was his goal to continue building on his rookie season. That was pretty solid, I must have to say. And he talked about how he used his offseason to get his body ready, but more than anything, more prepared for the physical nature of the NFL. And throughout the first three games of the regular season, the improvements that he has made to his game, especially taking on the physical nature, it is showing. And so far, he has already recorded two sacks. Um, he's looked very explosive, looked more crisp coming out of his defensive stands versus when you compare it to his rookie season. And he is showcasing the potential. The only problem I have with him is the fact that the Texans are only playing him so far somewhere between 50 to 56% of the defensive snaps. And I need them to play Charles Amanahu a little bit more because JJ Watt has been doing his thing, but we have we have had a lot of questionable players on that defensive line so far. So he's the one guy I would have to say that you will have to make sure that you keep an eye out for because I'm pretty sure he's going to try to use this game to prove to the coaching staff that you guys need to play me more. And I'm pretty sure he might be able to take advantage of the weak offensive line you guys have on the interior. Another guy that I would say is another threat is Zach Cunningham. Now Cunningham against the Kansas City Chiefs, he did not look that good, but you can say the same for just about anybody on the Texans team that very first game in Kansas City. But after that, he has really picked it up. And he's another guy I'm pretty sure is going to try to exploit that weakened interior offensive line that you guys have. So if Charles Amanda who plays, you better watch out for my man. Yeah, I imagine it's uh, it's not going to take a future Hall of Famer to uh, to – get there. I, I definitely like JJ Watts odds to get the, uh, that sack record or that, that, that hundred sack in this game. I think that's absolutely plausible. Um, one more thing, and then we probably have to wrap this up. Uh, so the, the way the Vikings have deployed their receivers has been kind of weird. So they have both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, two best receivers on the team, it looks like, and they both kind of, uh, excel in the slot and can play out wide just fine, but they seem to both like be able to excel in the slot. And so the way that they deploy that is going to be really matchup dependent. So I guess when it comes to the, the, the Texans secondary, are you more confident in the outside coverage or the slot coverage? Because whichever one seems weaker is probably where Adam Thielen lines up. Although Justin Jefferson, you know, they might feel good enough about him where he can exploit like a poor slot corner or whatever. But I guess what's the, the landscape of, of that cornerback room? And if you had, you know, somebody who was a superstar that you could either put out wide or in the slot against the Texans, which would you choose? We would definitely go with Bradley Roby, right? And I think when we look at matchups, I still think Adam Thielen is the matchup for Bradley Roby. He's a vet. He's a damn good receiver, very good route runner. Uh, and he's done some magical things with 
Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. By the way, I'm a huge Kirk Cousins fan. I know he uh, he is limited. I know all of this. I just like Kirk Cousins as a guy. But uh, he Adam Thielen has done some things with Kirk Cousins that you may think is kind of overachieving. And so um, he's a very good receiver. I wouldn't put Bradley Roby on him. Vernon Hargraves has been playing very good. Uh, he's gotten beat a couple of times, but overall he's been very impressive. And so I think I would I would rather have uh, Bradley Roby follow Adam Thielen as much as possible because the connection between uh, Thielen and Kirk Cousins is very good. And then have Vernon Hargraves play the the nickel if he needs to for that slot receiver. Ultimately, when I look at our secondary, it hasn't been good overall. Right, Bradley Roby has been the good spot. Vernon Hargraves has had a, some very good moments, but he still needs some improvement. Uh, Justin Reed has had some very good moments, but his tackling has been horrendous for the most part of the year. And so I think our secondary is a matchup that favors the Vikings more than it favors Houston. Going into Sunday's game, ultimately, uh, when we look at what you guys do at the slot position, I would I would like to see um, Thielen followed by Bradley Roby and Vernon Hargraves get some of that nickel spot burn. That makes sense. We'll see if they're if they do. A sh- I don't think anybody's shadowed against the Vikings yet, so that would be interesting. But we probably got to put a bow on this. So let's move on to uh, predictions. Right now, the line according to uh, PFF Green Line or like Bet Online, my bookie does not have a line for the Texans Vikings uh, right now. But it's everybody's got it somewhere around uh, Texans minus four and a half, minus five. Um, personally, I probably would bet on the. Yeah, I think I'd take the Texans minus four and a half. I just don't really believe in these Vikings right now. And until they prove otherwise, um, I, I'm basically going to pick against them every week until they can show that they can put together 60 minutes of NFL quality football. That just hasn't happened yet. But what do you guys think? Um, If I had to pick a winner for this game, let me just say, Luke, you're talking about one team and a loss against Tennessee. You guys look like you were starting to find your mojo. And our loss against Pittsburgh, it seems like we're farther away from that mojo more than possible. If this was a normal week, I'm not going to lie. I would say the, the Minnesota Vikings would come away with the victory. But this is not a normal week because you guys might not even have an opportunity to practice prior to Sunday's game due to COVID-19. So with that being said, and this is probably the first time that this has ever happened on a Locked On Podcast Network, I'm going to say this game is going to end in a draw. 14-14. There's no way I could could pick a winner and firmly say this is why they're going to win. Because like I say, you guys look like you were starting to click. Even though it came in a loss, there was a lot of positive you guys can take away from that. Us here in Houston, and I literally just finished a media availability call with Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt, and you can tell by the answers they're giving. You can tell by the look on their face, their mannerism. Like They're not feeling it. And if I'm yeah. getting that vibe from the two leaders of this team, I, I'm afraid to see what 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 type of show they're going to put out on Sunday. So I'm going to say a draw. I'm 14-14. If you're right and it's a draw, I will donate, uh, I don't know, 25 bucks to a Houston area <laughs> charity of your choice. If you sounds call good, that. Sounds good. <laughs> Yesterday, J.J. Watt's answers took 13.55 seconds. Shout out to Sean Pendergast uh, out here in Houston. Um Normally, they would hover around 40 seconds, 
Uh, last week it was 46, but it just seems like there's no life in this team right now. With that being said, Cody, you mentioned how the Vikings looked like they were getting their groove back in the first half of the Steelers game. Houston looked like they were finally uh, finally getting a groove. And I'm going to pick Houston to win this, win this game. I Initially, especially after the first game of the year, I had this game circled as the game. Houston should undoubtedly win. And I still believe they should undoubtedly win. Um, but after last week and after viewing how the Vikings looked in that game and how we looked ending that game, I still have Houston winning uh, 23-20. Sounds good. We'll see how it all plays out. Guys, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to explain the Texans to me. No, we, we, we definitely enjoy you uh, being able to be here on this Locked Over crossover edition to talk about the Vikings. Uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Kirk Cousins. I get killed for that every time I see it. I just like him as a guy. I feel like I can go eat pancakes with Kirk Cousins and talk about uh, wh- how he grew up with his grandma. And I like guys like that because I, I love my grandma. Would. He, he he probably had a, he's probably a great guy. Oh yeah, for sure. He's he's everyone's favorite youth pastor. Yeah, didn't he read the whole Bible last year? Probably. Oh yeah, he's like a super evangelical. He grew up like super Christian. His dad it literally is a pastor, so he's like a really really devout evangelical Christian. Yeah, his grandma probably makes very great pancakes, <laughs> like homemade biscuits. Like you know, I oh. feel like Kirk Cousins is that guy. And that's why I like her. I can drink lemonade on the porch with him and just talk about football. And um, That sounds awesome. <laughs> I feel that's a great, but right now he is throwing, he has six interceptions this year. He's looking bad, and I'm counting on that to continuously grow, and I'm going to call it now. Houston will get their first takeaway of the season this Sunday. Love you, Kurt. It's going to hurt this, you know, to say this, but I think Houston win this game, and I think largely due to the fact that they won't get pressure on Deshaun, and we will be able to create turnovers off Kirk Cousins. You know, I'm really surprised, Cody, that you're going to have this game ended in a tie, 14-14. Is that how <laughs> pathetic you think both of these teams are going into Sunday's game? It's more of the frustration and just the uncertainty surrounding the Houston Texans. And, John, the fan in me, yes, I'm an analyst, I'm a reporter, I, I cover this team, but the fan in me, would hate to see Houston lose this game because they would drop down to 0 and 4 but most importantly you will be losing to a team who had who may not have the opportunity to practice this week due to corona now i'm pretty sure they they i'm pretty sure Minnesota did some type of meeting but it seems like everything was virtually from the reports that has come out ever since the news about the Tennessee Titans happened on Tuesday morning but my heart would just break if I pick this team to win and they find some kind of way to lose, because what we saw on Sunday, the Texans found their way to lose. So it, it's just more of the uncertainty surrounding the Texans. And, you know, like I said, it's, I think it's going to end in a, in a draw. You know, we're going to go into overtime, <laughs> neither team going to be able to score or whatever, but it, you know, it is what it is. The Tennessee Titans are three and zero. The Colts are two and one. The Jacksonville Jaguars are one and two. And Houston sits at zero and three. The Houston Texans have allowed ninety five points compared to the Tennessee Titans seventy four. The Colts, who's only allowed forty five, and the Jaguars eighty four. They've only scored fifty seven points. The Colts have scored eighty four points. The Titans have scored eighty points. 
and the Jacksonville Jaguars have scored 70 points. Overall, Cody, this is a more than desperate game. Uh, I mentioned yesterday that this cannot be a red shirt year if you just sign all of these players up, max money, basically. Zach Cunningham, Laramie Tunsil, Deshaun Watson. Don't forget, Randall Cobb is here on a three-year deal, right? There are deals that they made throughout this throughout the offseason, rather, that some of these players will be here for the next couple of years. And then you still have uh, Reed's contract is going to be coming up soon, and you, you may want to bring back Gary Ann Conley. You still have Bradley Roby contracts on the book. And so you don't want this to be no damn rare short year. Right now at 0-3, they desperately, desperately need this win. And I think they need this win more than the Vikings because the Vikings really don't need any validation. Houston needs validation. Houston needs – you know why they need validation? You have a quarterback that is meant for the bright stage. But yet and still, nobody really trusts this team to get a win. And it's going to continuously look bad on Deshaun Watson. And so they, they're desperately hungry for a win. And I mentioned in the segment earlier that Desha- – I mean, not Deshaun, but uh, J.J. Watt is pissed. You can tell by the way he was answering questions. Only 13 seconds compared to 46, 40, 38. That's never J.J. Watt's M.O. He's, he's always trying to engage. Uh, and after Sunday's game, especially how it ended towards the game – you can look on that sideline and you saw those players defeated. They can't go out like that. They're going to win Sunday. And if they don't win, I may have to do something for Vikings fans. I don't know, but I just truly believe that the Houston Texans will win this game 23-20. And maybe they'll be able to get some mojo and swagger about themselves moving forward because the Jacksonville Jaguars has more wins than you do. That's pathetic. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. As always, you guys can find this show on all of your major podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. Thank you guys for supporting the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out the Locked On Vikings podcast. Follow my boy Luke Braun on Twitter. Follow Locked On Vikings. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.